<laughs> Hello, everybody. We are back for episode 25 of the Shiny Developer Series. That's a very nice number, and I couldn't think of a better way to celebrate that than to bring back a guest who was on near the very beginning of this adventure. And boy, has he been active in a lot of Shiny development and a lot of great advancements in, in the broader community. It is my pleasure to bring back to the Dev Series, Colin Fay. Colin, how are you doing today? Great. And you? How are you? I am. I'm. I'm as geeked as could be. This has been looking forward to this for a long time, and I still will mention to all of our listeners out there that when you look at the, what we have on the Dev Series, some of the most popular content is from your episode earlier and the Golem screencast. That is still oh, right nice. up there in the view count. So. Congrats to you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for having me. You bet. And um, that, so it's been, we were actually chatting in the pre-show. It's been almost three years, I think, since yeah. you were last on. And boy, a lot has happened for you, um, professionally <laughs> especially, um, such as my favorite um, new recently published book, Engineering Production <laughs> Shiny, which ironically is one of my most liked tweets when I did this kind of goofy post for it. Um, <laughs> But why don't you tell us, Colin, since we were last uh, chatting on this, what was that process like to get Engineering Production Shiny all the way to publication? Yeah, so, yeah, it basically it's been a long journey because I think it took something like two years, maybe two years and a half uh, from, you know, getting in contact with a publisher and having, having it published. Um, I think it took a lot of time because um, what I wanted for this book uh, is to have something which is new. So I didn't want to publish like a summary of everything that exists, but I really wanted to think about the process of writing shiny apps and thinking about the tools you'll need. And it took a lot of time because I did a lot of research. Uh, I read a lot. I wrote some tools as I was writing the book. So. Um, yeah, I wanted this book to be to have like original content, something that you won't find anywhere else. And on the same time, I wanted I wanted it to be uh, like a book about building Shiny App, but a book which is more about engineering production software. Um, so basically, you have of course a lot of things about Shiny, but you have a lot of things about engineering web application are organizing your work or um, I don't know, a lot of stuff about how to think about an application, how to um, develop it. And in a sense, you could uh, easily, quote unquote, uh, change it with another technology. So um, if, if you want to change and call it, I don't know, uh, if, if in five years we have a new uh, technology instead of Shiny, it could still apply. Or Absolutely. maybe if you're interested in uh, software engineering or web app, uh, you know, in, in the broad sense, you'll still find stuff in this because some of the content, uh, of course, it's focused on R and Shiny, but it's still broad enough that you'll find ideas, even if you are, I don't know, building JavaScript applications or simply, maybe if you are si simply quote unquote building like markdown document or uh, dashboards in markdown you'll still find some elements that will apply to your use case uh, i'm thinking about 
um, for example, uh, the focus on user experience, on uh, like accessibility, on uh, how to organize your work, um, how to, yeah, all the things you have to think about when you are building a web application that is central production and web application or even web content. So these things that applies to, yeah, production applications. Yeah, there's there's so many aspects of this that um, this book, especially for those that are kind of new to this to this idea of going from prototype to production, puts so many principles in place that you may not hear about in the general like our community or just general data science that inevitably you will encounter at some point. A lot of these things I learned the hard way. But I'm excited that we're going to be giving this resource out to those that are new to this journey or even the quote unquote gray beards like me that is still knee brushing <laughs> up on a few things here and there. Um, there were, I mean, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of get into what your favorite parts are, but certainly I want to tell you my favorite parts. Um, one of them is honestly around the design philosophy as you're beginning to scope these things out. The idea of being intentional about getting that business logic sorted out before you even get to the glitzy UI pieces so that you get all that ironed out. And in fact, you had a, a great recommendation to take advantage of writing, say, our markdown vignettes as yeah. you're prototyping these backend solutions. These are all things that now that I read it after the fact, they're like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. But sometimes you need that little nudge or that reminder of this book is telling you to um, to, to reinforce those concepts. So certainly I'm, I'm a big fan of that idea for sure. Yeah, and even the, the concept of accessibility, so making your application uh, the, um, accessible to a larger audience. So people, for example, who have uh, trouble seeing or right. uh, things like colorblindness, which is something you learn, like it's web development 101. You'll, you'll go on free code camp, which is like a path for learning uh, web development. It's just like in the beginning, you're learning accessibility, but it's something that is not talked about a lot in the R community. You know, you're building your web application and you're building your shiny app, you're putting it on the web or even your, your markdown document. You don't think about accessibility mm -hmm. or things like that. So I think it was something important to, to talk about because, yeah, the idea of putting something in production is <clears throat> like making it uh, available to a lot of people. So people who might not have uh, as many, uh, you know, um, possibility as you. Maybe they are, they, right. they can't, things like, people have trouble navigating with a mouse. So they do everything on the keyboard. And this yes. is something you have to think about because um, if you have to move your mouse from, you know, everywhere in your application or you can't navigate in it with your tab or some, something like that, mm -hmm. it can get, it can be hard for them to use your application. And sure. even more in, in a field where we are, I, I don't know, we are building dashboard with COVID information and it's something you give to the broad public, but some people might not be able to read it or to use your shiny application because it's not accessible. So this is something I wanted to talk about. So I, I don't talk enough about it in the book. I wish I had more space and time to develop this, but this is something which seemed important to me and that you won't find anywhere else, uh, at least in any book that I know of. 
Yeah, that, that's great points. I mean, honestly, there's so much additional content to go into this. Maybe that's a, a second edition, hint, hint. Um, but <laughs> but um, certainly I've been doing this slightly more in the context of even just with the customers for apps I'm building as I speak technically. Um, we got a request that the plots we were making, we had stuck with the standard palettes in ggplot2, but we had very correct feedback that, no, not necessarily. We better, you know, accommodate, you know, visual color blindness or other endeavors. So now I have a toggle to put those front and center, and then they can switch back and forth between them. But these are, these are things that when you have that mindset from the beginning, it actually makes development easier down the road. You don't have to retrofit it in. But if you think yeah. of that mindset from the start, whether it's accessibility or to be perfectly honest, even just organizing your code base in a logical way, um, it just saves a lot of rework later on. Yeah, and I think what's important to keep in mind, yeah, you, you're speaking about mindset, but what's important to keep in mind when building a shiny app is that you are doing this for someone else. True. You know, and this someone else is going to end up on your UI. And if your UI doesn't work, your application doesn't work. You can have like very innovative, like backend and beautiful like algorithm and stuff like that. But if people right. can't use, if they can't click on the button, or if they can't read the uh, ggplot2 because you didn't use the correct palette, so it, your application doesn't work. You you can have something very innovative in the backend, but yeah, as soon as your UI fails, in a sense, if your UI fails, your application doesn't work. Exactly. Yep. Yep, I've been, been down that road many times the, the hard way. But, um, but and the other thing that I think really um, is touched on, even if may not say specifically, but the principles in the design and, and the orchestration of everything, I think gets you a, a greater starting point for working on these apps in a team environment because I cannot tell you how many times I was consulted on somebody either at the day job or even elsewhere saying they made this cool prototype, but then when they work with a team, it's very difficult for them to contribute back. Well, guess what? They had the app as one big file. Of course, it's <laughs> going to be difficult to contribute when it's just one big app.r or an interactive R markdown document. It's like 3000 lines of code. <laughs> so, I mean, I have, you 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 kind of know this from following some of the stuff I do. I have been probably one of the biggest cheerleaders of Golem because I think having an app as a package brings you these principles up front that hopefully can be relatable and I think are relatable for anybody that has at least intermediate experience with R itself. So um, Golem is one of the bigger focuses of the book. And I'm kind of curious, ever since uh, Golem has rolled out, along with, obviously, the role of engineering production Shiny, what have you observed in terms of the uptake of Golem and kind of the broader R community? And what, what's your take on maybe the, the future of it? Yeah, so I'm very happy about the way people are adopting this. And, you know, I think you coined the phrase, once you go Golem, you can go back. And <laughs> there are certain people that watch me probably later on, I'm going to quit that. But yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> and yeah, I think it's been like the general uh, feedback from people. So I'm very happy that people are enjoying this. And yeah, it seems that it's been something needed in the community of shiny developers for a while. And I'm happy with we 
put a framework and we put this into practice uh, with column i'm i kind of like the idea that um it it gives a more serious touch to the shiny apps because you know it has uh, it has had the reputation of it's not for production it's not reliable and stuff like that but if we with golem we help like legitimating shiny application for production and for big um big application and i think it helps also people getting more into engineering application so um because you can do a quick shiny app quick and dirty shiny app and it works right. but um if you want to as you said if you want to take this app and put it in production or build a larger app on top of this uh if you don't have the software engineering mindset from the beginning uh, it's going to be hard to work on this application on the long run so i'm kind of happy that we help people working with this and getting more acquainted with building packages uh, because some people may have never built the packages before build right. a package before and right. they are starting with golem and they learn how to build a package along the way so i'm kind of happy that we help people uh, getting more into engineering their application and in an engineering mindset more and i know that it seems a little bit more complex in the beginning uh, because if you are starting with golem compared to starting with basic shiny app template it it seems like a lot there are a lot of things but uh, down the road uh, you're gonna uh, you know if you start with the simple skeleton and you need to go to production you're going to pay it back at some point but if you right. start with golem it's it's harder in the beginning but it gets easier along the road once you get the concept and one once you understand everything you you can get like very efficient in the way you work and in the way you work yourself and with your team and you know one of the the first function in golem was the add module function and yes. i'm i'm very proud of this function because Basically, before that, what you did is I was going to the shiny website, just copying and pasting oh, the skeleton, removing I've the stuff. I've lived that life many, <laughs> many times in the past, yes. And basically, it's like a recipe for disaster because copying and pasting, <laughs> you're just going to forget stuff right, and right. just being sure that you have a correct name and stuff. It's kind of hard because, yeah, yeah, you'll have trouble along the way doing that. So. I'm kind of happy that we are doing that, helping people to um, be more efficient because you don't lose like 15 minutes doing that. Or it's robust enough that if you add a module, it's going to have a correct skeleton and you it works. Right. You know, you don't have to rethink uh, this thing. And so I'm I'm happy that we help people uh, doing that. I'm happy that people are coming and opening issues and saying I don't understand that. And mm -hmm. We explain them that they need, uh, this is a package, so this is how it works. And I think people are getting into uh, developing package while using Golem, so which is, um, which is nice. And uh, yeah, uh, I think with it like one hundred thousand download on the CRAN uh, on the R Studio mirrors a couple of weeks ago. So Excellent. I'm, I'm kind of happy about that. And so yeah, I'm I'm happy that people are getting more serious about the development and the fact that people are using it and they believe in this framework it means that people are getting more serious about shiny application uh, you know so it's it doesn't look like something for prototypes anymore so, right you know, it can be built larger up and it's robust and uh, you can you can put it on github and use a ci to do the test and do everything like 
any other web framework. So I'm very happy that it helps like, yeah, doing a more, uh, giving a, a better um, image of Shiny application. Then. And of course, yeah, helping people do more software engineering. And I think I've, uh, we help also people getting more into uh, JavaScript or CSS or things like that, because it's, um, it's a little bit easier to integrate uh, external things uh, into Golem. So if you want to start integrating JavaScript or CSS into your app, it makes it a little bit easier. And of course, the book talks about it a little bit. So right. I'm happy that people are getting more into, into this. Yeah, it, it opens those possibilities. Um, and honestly, before Golem and in my earlier days of Shiny, it always seemed like such a huge lift for me to start the CSS customization or start the JavaScript customization. But it, with the helper functions inside, you can quickly get up and running, much like you did with the aforementioned module function. You can quickly bootstrap an initial JavaScript function, an initial CSS file in the right place and make sure that it's injected into your app's interface in the correct place, which yeah. again, is something I screwed up royally in my beginnings <laughs> of this. So any help that a package like Golem can give me to make that transition, even if I, again, I am not uh, a great web designer by any means, I'm not as upfront with styling as I would like, but I'm on that learning journey, but this is just another way to minimize that barrier of entry to actually implementing the stuff when you get to it so it's yeah. a great helper there and and to be honest i think one thing that is not talked about enough in kind of this more higher level shiny production development is that it's never usually just shiny like you said there are lots of extensions we have to do with styling with javascript frankly even with other systems to connect to and so that's something I've always been intrigued by just uh, kind of watching your GitHub repos develop now and again. And I see these repos experimenting with things like databases. I think I even saw something about Kubernetes. Like you're, you're definitely pushing the envelope a lot of this. Um, but what, what's your take on inter, you know, interfacing Shiny with these different systems? Like what's motivated that for you? And what are some of the areas that you think people maybe should be paying attention to as they start to up their skill set in this in this area. Yeah, the how it started is basically that if you're so I've got a lot of friends who are uh, developers, but are not our developers. And if you talk to them, uh, they write code in like five languages on a daily basis. And on the other end, if you go to the uh, our community, people are a little bit more reluctant uh, about learning JavaScript or CSS or HTML, which is Basically, if you are if you are shiny developers, you are web developers. So it makes sense to uh, learn the tech stack, you know, uh, for the web. And so yeah, if if you um, for for example for JavaScript, um, if you don't learn uh, how to build uh, a little just a little bit of JavaScript, just integrate for example integrating an external libraries. Um, if you think about something like notifications. There are tons of JavaScript libraries that can do notifications. So it can enhance your, um, your application. But if you don't want, if you don't take the leap uh, to, uh, into JavaScript, you don't learn how to build uh, or, to, or to integrate these libraries to your app, you just are going to be stuck with what other developers have wrapped inside an R package. 
So for example, yeah, for example, I think not notifications is a good uh, good example. So we've got the basic, the basic uh, shiny notification. You've got uh, shiny alert, which is like a very cool package for alerts. But yes. you know, if you see a shiny alert, it's you know it's a shiny alert. But you you have a lot of other ways to um, integrate notifications. Um, so basically, my idea is. Um, if you want to go a little bit further, if you want to do something that doesn't look like a shiny application, something that looks like a website, uh, it's way better to learn how to integrate these other libraries. Um, for example, I, I've been working on a project that uh, integrates translations. And if you are relying on stuff in R, you are going to, for um, example, you, you are going to do weird stuff like case when language equal French, then render UI or things like that. Mm -hmm. But translation is something that can be done only in the browser. You, you, you don't need hard to do that. You need you, your browser can do that because if you have this, you have a lot of JavaScript libraries that can do that. And if you know how to integrate this JavaScript libraries and make it work with your Shiny app, you're not like tied to our code or to a package someone else has written. And yeah, it feels like if you are building these web apps, you have a lot of possibilities, uh, even for, I don't know, CSS. Uh, for example, there are a lot of uh, CSS templates on the web, uh, free CSS templates. And if you want to build a, da a dashboard or if you want to build a web page or website or anything. If you, if you don't know how to read HTML and how to integrate these uh, templates or HTML templates or CSS into your Shiny app, you're just stuck with, uh, you know, the default Shiny uh, looks or the, uh, right. you know, the packages that someone else has written. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it, it's always a fun project to do, you know, writing like a wrapper for an 8-bit uh, <laughs> CSS Nessie, for shiny. I but... loved it. Yes, I remember very well. Yep. <laughs> so it's, it's it's kind of fun to do, but um, so I was discussing this uh, on Twitter, uh, like uh, <clears throat> I think today and yesterday. But um, it it will take like a massive amount of work, for example, to take. So it takes a long time to integrate a, not a notification JavaScript libraries into R because you have to think about all the use cases, how to pass all the options, how to do all that. Mm -hmm. When like it's a couple of line of JavaScript just to, to integrate the library. So you link to the JS file, you have a, a couple of shiny custom handlers. It's just like a couple of lines of code and you're not tied with, uh, yeah, you're, you're not stuck with what someone else has written. True. Um, and yeah, I, th I think you have a book JavaScript for R, and yeah, it shows a lot like another valuable write... <laughs> tool in the arsenal of Shiny development. <laughs> yeah, write your own widgets and integrate yep. your own JavaScript into Shiny. It's like if if you know how to do that, you are going to move, to make way better uh, Shiny apps on the long run because it won't look like any other Shiny app. You're not you're not like stuck with what exists in R today, what right. shiny widget exists. And at some point, um, a shiny widget is a wrapper around a JavaScript libraries. So you are people writing this shiny widget makes decision and they make decision. And at some point you might be, uh, it might be problematic because you have to hack your way into doing something because it's not, uh, you know, it's not a standard use case. Um, 
so basically something you can do yourself in JavaScript. It's yeah, it really enhances the way you can build shiny applications. So that's why yeah, I've been um, experimenting a lot with um, shiny JavaScript integration and uh, yeah, in my the way I build shiny application today is I start with an HTML file and with a CSS file and uh, some JavaScript libraries. And then I put shiny element into that. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, you're flipping the script a little bit. You're, you're starting with the more lower level tech behind it. And then you're putting yeah. shiny kind of on top of it. Yeah. That's something that I have not ventured into doing much yet only because I'm pretty lucky in that between say the great work that David Grandjean has been doing with the R interface yeah. project, I have a lot of great starting points already. But then again, there are going to be some esoteric requests I'll get probably down the road where it's got to look a certain way because I have to optimize it for maybe mobile and maybe a wider view or, or things yeah. like that that are outside the typical request. So I feel like that is one of, at least for me personally, one of the next steps is to be able to get more comfortable with interacting with this kind of tech from the beginning and then putting my customizations on it and then bolting the shiny pieces on it as I, as I go forward. That It's not a natural thing for me yet and probably isn't for many of our audience, but um, certainly we'll be watching kind of things you develop and others that are, I consider the, the big thought leaders in this community of like what, what ideas you have to, to make that easier for people. So that's awesome. Yeah, so there is a function in Golem called use, uh, either use external HTML template or add HTML template. Okay. So you if, you, if you find, for example, uh, there is uh, W3CSS, which, is, which are free HTML templates. Right. Uh, so we have a Golem example, which is a bit like that. Um, yeah, there are a lot of free HTML and CSS templates uh, on the web. So it might be interesting to look at that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll put, put a link to that in, nice. in the notes as Open. well. So yeah, I think this is a great time, Colin, to start diving into maybe some examples of you using these uh, principles in practice. I think you have some great uh, queued up for us about leveraging HTML templates that you were just talking about. So let's dive into that a bit. Yeah, yeah so this is, um, a little, little example of using an HTML template. So as I said uh, before, you have a series of, for example, CSS uh, templates here, which are free HTML templates. You can use um, you can use it, so it's optimized for mobile and stuff. And basically, the idea is more to start with these HTML file and then put uh, put shiny elements into that. So basically you have this function from uh, shiny, which is called HTML templates, and you can link to an HTML file. So then you have a series of named elements. And basically if you go to your, so you have this HTML file and you can put things into this with uh, this way. So basically the idea is to start with this HTML file. So you, you use the external HTML file, you download it inside your column application, then you leave some spots where you're gonna, you are going to inject um, shiny elements. So for example, if I go to first here, so this is first is my 
ggplot here. So it's a random uh, ggplot. And basically what I do is my first here is one shiny modules. Uh -huh. So what I do is I inject the content of this module inside my uh, HTML template. This is interesting. Is it templating powered by, I, I want to say, a package called Whisker or Glue or some of that effect? How, how does that magic work? Uh, I think it's in HTML tool. HTML tool says it. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah wonderful. So yeah, it interpolates everything like between the whiskers. Um, so you, you have an element called first and you say inside your UI, so you say this first element is my the content of my module. And you you do it like here and there. So you can do it like all the way inside your HTML. Oh, this is and fascinating. Look. And you look at this, you would never know this is a shiny app just by yeah. looking at this. this is this is fascinating. Yeah, and there are like a lot of free templates you can use. I think there is something that looks like a dashboard, but uh, so yeah, this is this. Uh, HTML templates. Uh, so they are like a series of free uh, templates. So yeah, this one is an HTML page and basically it can be reused as a Shiny application. Uh, yeah, as I as can, a HTML template. Yeah, I can see lots of use cases where maybe I'm building an app that isn't meant to be the most sophisticated in analytical processing, but that's serving some kind of key information in a yeah. in a setting that may be used more by leadership or others that are expecting a certain standard to that presentation, where now having the flexibility that I mean it's been in Shiny for a long time, but now Golem, you're giving like an easy way to bring those templates yeah. in and then inject, like you said, those specific dynamic components with the whisker placeholders. Yeah, this is something I definitely want to practice uh, later on. Yeah, and as you can see, you have the standard like links to uh, the CSS and JavaScript. So, and this is the kind of thing you received. Uh, for example, um, I have a client where they have templates for their their Java applications. Mm -hmm. and basically, they give they give me a, a series of HTML files and CSS and uh, stuff like that. So, I have if if you want to convert it to a Shiny app, you don't have to rewrite all this HTML code into Shiny. You can just use the HTML templates and yeah, inject things into the um, into the HTML file. And it's kind of it gets easier to it it is easier to add a new CSS or add a new libraries because you add a new link here and you, right. you can inject, uh, for example, a new script. Or if you want to write uh, um, JavaScript straight in your web page, you can like write it um, just here. So yeah, it helps building application which look a little bit like less like a shiny application. So yeah, as you said, if you look at this uh, application, yeah. So of course you have the Golem uh, X sticker here, so you know it's a shiny <laughs> app, but. Right. It, it could be built with any other uh, web technology. It, it doesn't look like other uh, Shiny app because this, I think this has been a little bit of an issue with the way we, we build uh, Shiny apps because I've seen a lot of Shiny dashboards. You know, we've all built a lot of Shiny dashboards. Guilty as charged, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
a shiny dashboard is a shiny dashboard. You see a shiny dashboard, you know it's a shiny dashboard. True. Yeah. And if you are delivering applications for a client and you build like three or four apps and they all look the same, it can be a little bit confusing for them. Just like, are you reusing the same code? Why is it like the same app every time? You know, you, you don't go on the internet and have like two websites that look exactly <laughs> the same. <laughs> right. Basically, or, you know, yeah. So if you go, I don't know, on, on Facebook or on Twitter or on GitHub, it's like more or less the same features. So you have a series. If, if you look, for example, uh, yeah, GitHub on the home page is just like Twitter. You have something on the left, you have a timeline in the middle, and you have something on the right. right and you have right. some buttons on top. But it's organized the same way, but it doesn't look the same. You know you're on GitHub when you open this page. So my idea with where yeah where I'm going with this is that using these external elements and focusing a little bit on the UI, it helps you building more non-standard shiny apps. You know, you have something that looks different uh, from all the other shiny apps. So yeah, and I I think if you go to the web development world, most people they don't use like a template as is they start for something and they build on top of it so you when they deliver a web app it doesn't look like the app that they built like the week before it looks like something different exactly exactly yeah so uh, like i said i'll i'll definitely have some some projects probably upcoming uh, at the infamous day job where i can definitely uh, leverage <laughs> some of these ideas and hopefully make it such that if i start one of these efforts i can also bring others along the ride and we can build uh, a, a distinctive look that maybe pertains to like the media group I sit in or our overall function. And that way it's, um, yeah, it's not, not the typical dashboard. They're pro they probably have dashboard fatigue from me because most of the stuff I do <laughs> is say a shiny dashboard plus or BS4 dash and nothing yeah. against them, of course, but sometimes I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to go a little bit, um, a little bit more custom. Um, I, there's one particular effort I have in mind for tracking uh predictions of stuff that doesn't have to be that typical dashboard layout it can be some more intuitive that they're responsive and and all that all that design uh, and stuff that i'm still learning the hard way probably. yeah it, it it's it's a little bit like like the shiny widgets uh, i said before if you right. if you stay with what other people have coded you are going to be prisoners quote unquote uh inside what other people have designed but if you, if you know how to integrate HTML templates, you, you know, the possibilities there are endless. If you, if you know how to read HTML and how to write a little bit of HTML, I mean, if you've learned R, you, you can learn HTML, I assure you. That's <laughs> and, reassuring. Uh, <laughs> so if, if you know how to write a little bit of HTML or read it or just like understand how it works, yeah, the possibilities are endless. You, you can do way more stuff than just, um, yeah, simple shiny dashboard or shiny dashboard plus or BS for dash or if you want to do an 8-bit uh, shiny application or right. things like that. Yeah, I can't remember if I told you the story, but way back at one of the earlier RStudio comps back when the, the pre-pandemic world, um, I was invited by uh, eWay to help uh, TA the Advanced R Markdown Workshop. And to make a long story short, I somehow got... Um, tasked with talking about the officer package for creating powerpoints in r but i put a shiny spin on it where i gave an example app that was styled with your 8-bit nessie 
uh, CSS package. <laughs> and that, when when Eway saw that, he was watching the back of the room, and I pulled that up. He was that got his attention. So like those little things, if I can get Eway's attention on some shiny stuff I'm doing, that means I'm doing something right. But <laughs> but it goes to show you that when you when you go a little bit distinctive, it's going to be a better user experience, one way, shape, or form for whoever the customers are for that yeah. particular thing. And for something as silly as a Mega Man PowerPoint generator <laughs> in Shiny, say that five times fast. But uh, <laughs> it's fun to learn, though. It's fun to play with this, too. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's yeah, fun sure. when you get the hang of it. Um, but I, I can see some in my audience, I'm sure, are going to still feel a little hesitant to get into it. But I think what we're trying to tell here is that when you take the investment, especially some of the resources that have just become available, I think that onboarding is easier than it was maybe if you asked me like four or yeah. five years ago. So, yeah, and if you think if you think about it, the question of accessibility, for example, yes, if you want to focus on accessibility, you are going to have to hack some of the packages that create right. the UI. But if if you got your end into HTML, you've got like more freedom to uh, tweak stuff, and so yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be easier to make a better more accessible app yeah and um you know i i you and me both are cut from the same cloth we like to kind of hack on different technologies we start <laughs> learning these things and one effort that you started uh, i can't remember exactly when you started it but i intrigued me immensely and apparently intrigued someone else that's pretty prevalent in our our community jacqueline nolis is your work on what you're calling the brochure package which um, looks like it integrates some ideas that you've learned from the broader JavaScript world into Shiny. Why don't you tell our, um, our audience a bit about that endeavor? Yeah, so it all started because I spent like a long time for um, at work building uh, an application in Node.js. Um, and uh, if you think about the way standard web application are built. Um, you don't have one UI, one server, and like throw everything there and hope for the best. Um, what you're going to do is <clears throat> you are going to build like several endpoints and you are going to build, I don't know, in Shiny, <clears throat> in Shiny, you, 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 in standard Shiny, it's hard to integrate, for example, post requests. So yes. if you want to post something on your server, it's not integrated by default. You can do it, but uh, it's not um, obvious. You have to hack. You have to know a little bit about how uh, Shiny works. And of course, <clears throat> it also bugged me that if you have a dashboard, it's all on the same URL. So you have one endpoint that is used for everything. Of right. course, you had a series of packages that implemented this where you have the URL hash that changes and you can render you can render different part of your app based on that URL hash, but it's still not <clears throat> what you do, for example, with Node.js. What you do right. with Node.js, you are going to say, in this is my slash, it's going to render this. This is my slash uh, contact, it will render this. This is my slash XYZ, it will render this. So my approach was to think about <clears throat> how can we implement that in Shiny? Um, so all the tools are there, they're a little bit hidden inside Shiny. So when I 
talked uh, about this uh, with Joe Sheng. He said, you have everything built in. You just have to uh, hack your way into understanding how it works. <clears throat> Uh, so yeah, I dived into that and um, I wanted to offer something that uh, looks like how you would build a standard web app. For example, if you're building a standard uh, web app with uh, Node.js, you are going to have slash home, you are going to slash login, uh, you are going to enter your username, your password, it's going to post on an endpoint on the app. It's going to generate a cookie that says, it's cool, you are logged in. You are going to go back to home. And then based on that cookie, uh, the Node.js app is going to render some stuff. It's going to, uh, to do some queries on a database in the backend, and it's going to render elements. Um, so my, my idea was, how can we take this way to build an app and do it with Shiny? And turns out that we can do it. Uh, it works. Um, so it's a real like multi-page Shiny application. What that means is that if you are on Slash or on Slash login, it's two different R sessions, two different Shiny sessions. So the thing is that with Shiny, if you, are, if you spend a long time on the uh, dashboard, I don't know, if you spend 20 minutes on the dashboard, it's going to uh, stack some, some stuff in the memory. And uh, you know, mm. if you do a series of queries or creating object is going to um, to do everything like in the same R session. But if you think about the way it's built uh, with Node.js, you don't do that. You don't, you don't have one uh, <coughs> a session where you stack everything and all your data frame and stuff. Um, right. Just um, you, you, you have like something in your browser that says, this is you. So this is a cookie that says you're logged in. And once you're logged in, it does query on, I don't know, MongoDB or SQL database or something like that. So the idea was really to um, find a way to uh, build this into Shiny, how to do real uh, multi-pages Shiny application. So not something that is one Shiny session, but you hack the URL hash, so it renders different elements. So this is really like you're defining several endpoints you can define post request, you can define um, cookies. So this is something that uh, misses natively uh, in Shiny because you can't, um, you, you can't, you can't set a cookie uh, on, uh, on Shiny, uh, as far as I know. Right. Um, and yeah, you, you can't tweak the headers in HTTP. So uh, basically the way it works is that when you are on a website, um, your, your browser does uh, HTTP request to a server with a series of headers, which are informations, and the server returns a series of uh, headers and the content. And this is not something that you usually do in Shiny because you have just one initial HTTP request uh, that uh, connects to the server and then the WebSocket exchanges um, element. But um, on the standard, uh, web application, for example, if you try to reach something that doesn't exist, you're going to have an HTTP status, which is for 404, uh, which is not something you can do on Shiny uh, natively. Right. Right. Um, and basically, yeah, my idea was to um, try to integrate this way of building uh, applications. So of course, it changes a lot from how you'd build a standard Shiny app, because um, because yeah, the, the idea with a web app is you have a cookie inside your browser that says, uh, this, is, um, this is Colin, and 
what um, what I have access to and how I query the database using this uh, token. Am I logged in? Am I allowed to uh, do that? Um, so yeah, the idea was to um, take this philosophy and try to apply it to uh, to Shiny. And of course, to some extent, um, so yeah, this is something I would like to work on, but you can build, uh, you can easier scale um, this application because basically you have several, several endpoints. So you could say, um, if you have, I don't know, an engineering uh, proxy on top of that, you can say that slash is rooted to this R session, uh, slash home is rooted to this, uh, slash login is into this R session. So basically you could have, like if you're shiny up as five, um, five endpoints, you can say this, these are the five R sessions and you can just like move between those sessions and it will work. Very interesting. I mean, that's something that we take for granted when we build I mean, I build a one of my most sophisticated production apps at a day job is technically obviously one shiny app with a whole bunch of tabs on the side, all distinct modules, of course, because I of all people know the use modules for, for development. But the point <laughs> is, is that it's all one overall R process and they do very distinctive parts. A lot of this, like some is just for designing a Viz network diagram a bit. Another part is launching um, compute jobs to a high performance computing cluster. Another is assembling all that and then presenting that to the user. But that is admittedly a lot of overhead for one single process to do it all. So um, there's certainly a lot of gains you can have for compartmentalizing these different pieces. But yet, to you as a developer, can still treat this as one overall application, but the different subparts, like you said, yeah. <laughs> could be individually browsed to, individually handled via whatever layers you want to put in front of it. Yeah, Nginx or anything like that. Um, and that's really intriguing to me. Um, but I do want to share with you a use case that you probably did not think about because I'm um, that I'm trying brochure with. Um, you saw maybe some tweets I had about this, but when I think about teaching the evolution of a shiny app i you're going from that prototype stage much like oh you're showing with that template you have the placeholders for the plot or the data table you're just scoping things out a little bit but then as you iterate on it you're going to refine you're going to maybe add more widgets you're going to add more processing and that is an interesting journey of itself and then eventually you get to what you might call a production release that production release could look quite different than the prototype, and it likely will. But in terms of telling people how that development process works, where I saw brochure could play a role is to have basically these mini apps in one mm -hmm. overall app. It's not modules, but it's these separate apps that they might do something either very similar or radically different in terms of backend processing, UI look, and what if you want to teach others how you got to those different steps and be able to point to those specific steps without having to point to just one app and then tell them to click this tab or yeah. whatever else. So my goal is to create basically a package on top of brochure um, nice. to let the user say they're working on an app and they bootstrap this structure. They work on this initial version this first page, if you will, and then they will say, okay, I want to now snapshot this, call this like my page one or whatever they want to call it, 
and then they launch another page that starts from that initial mm. that state of the first page ending they iterate more then they do another snapshot they do the, like the third page etc and then you might have like four or five of these sub apps each showing a different step in that journey which could be directly linked on say a blog post or a github repo or what really motivated this for me was uh, Jesse Mostepec, who's a shiny developer advocate at our studio now, was starting this tweet thread of the evolution of an app she was making for like visualization as a way to another mechanism for teaching people about shiny. And I thought, well, wait a minute. What if on top of those <laughs> tweets, in those tweets, you could link to that specific app to show that particular mm. step? So yeah. I think brochure is my key to doing that. And so I've done a few live streams kind of hacking away at this but i feel like this has lots of possibilities than maybe even what you were envisioning earlier um but hopefully you're i mean i'm I'll just get your take on it I'm, this is like my free consulting it's my show so i'm gonna get free <laughs> consulting um do you like this idea do you think this is valuable what, what do you think about it yeah it makes sense um i think that to some extent it could be bootstrapped by uh, you create a series of modules and then you take the module and it's going to create uh, um, an endpoint of the app. Uh, so, for example, you write the module and you have mm -hmm. something uh, to automatic automatically turn this into into endpoints, into pages. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've started um, just the initial process of getting the skeleton app up and running. That was my first step, which is directly inspired by what you all do in Golem when you bootstrap the app as a package, but like like you alluded to earlier, the function for adding a module, I've been inspired by that, along with some other functions from use this, nice. to start with templates and then get them up and running and then, you know, tell them to iterate on this. And then my next step is that like next step in the evolution of take the snapshot, make another mini app out of it. And that's where you might depending on what I try to do with brochure, I might break things. So you don't be surprised if you hear me on the, on the issue tracker about that. So uh, be prepared. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's um, to some extent, that's what we've been doing. So I've built, uh -huh. so we do training at Fincar and yes. the shiny, um, so there is a, um, an app you have to reproduce along the training. So it's like 10 days. Um, training and you have to reproduce the app and basically it's on R as your connect and you have slash uh, exercise one and then you can move to exercise two and basically uh, these are some modules with parameters and if you go on an endpoint you have like this module rendered this way so basically mm -hmm. it's more or less what you're what you're talking about because it's the same you start with something simple and you right. build on top of it the more yes. you learn about shiny and yes. yeah exercise one is like this page with this minimal app and then exercise two is the same app but a little bit larger right right so yeah this is this is exactly what we do with the the, the application we have to do during our shiny training excellent oh yeah so i didn't even think of that piece like on the job or in the training workshops to leverage something like this that's that's brilliant um yeah maybe we'll we'll see more people do that kind of workflow in the future so um it goes about saying thank you for making brochure because it gave me this possibility <laughs> to try this pretty radical idea but it if we if i can get this at least usable by the majority of shiny developers especially those that are trying to train others um, either in the general community or even in their org, like you were saying, um, that 
this this could be a win so you know this will this will be fun to watch nonetheless <laughs> no matter how much i break it'll be fascinating one way or another so <laughs> very cool very cool so um i know you you have a disclaimer on the repo saying like do not use yet um i i, I assume it it's been tough to find time to like iron yeah. out some of the okay yeah yeah because one thing i'd like to um to integrate is so if you, if you build an application with Express.js, which is a framework for uh, building app in Node, you can do, uh, for example, slash profile slash, uh, you have a regex for ID, and basically you can render slash colon slash whatever, and mm -hmm. this ID is available inside your session. So it can, uh, so you, you don't have to think upfront for all the profiles, you can create any slash profile slash something and it will be available inside the app. So this is like sure. something that I've been thinking about a lot about how to build that, but it's not that that easy. So this is why like, it, I'm still uh, have this disclaimer don't use in production, <laughs> but I'm, I'm planning on working on that in the upcoming weeks. Yeah, well, one thing, one way I'm going to obviously future-proof myself a little bit on this is that for every shiny app I do, or even package I do, I mean, this is very related to shiny, of course, is I use RM to manage the dependencies. That way I'm on a specific version of brochure right now. And then that way you can still iterate away and I won't have to opt into that unless I explicitly say update nice. brochure with this snapshot. So that's something I try to tell people at, at the day job and even elsewhere is that package management within your shiny apps is hugely important because nobody's going to make a production app that just depends on shiny itself as much as that yeah. would be the ideal that just simply isn't going to happen so being able to control that um easily and be able to opt into whenever things are updated i think that's critical to kind of the dev philosophy yeah and, and of course saying that it's still like in development if allows me to break things without you know annoying people because you know, if, if something is uh, like, if I do a breaking change, I can say, yeah, it's it's still in development. <laughs> right, exactly. Yep. <laughs> Get that so nice it gives me more thing. freedom to break things. <laughs> of course, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, one area that I think you've been exploring, and I have too, maybe in a different sense, is the idea of you know putting yourself up for success with development and even deployments potentially. And I think you've been looking at technology like containers to help with your development of shiny apps maybe you could tell us kind of where you see that trend going in terms of your work as a as developing these but also even as you share these with your customers or, or elsewhere um, in terms of deployments yeah so what i really like about containers is that yeah if it works on my machine it will work on the server um because there is um, always this trade-off to do between uh, how easy it is for the developers and um, how it's reliable on the long run, um, and it's kind of it can be hard to uh, grasp Docker or to build container or stuff like that. But once you have uh, you understand how it works and it works on your machine, you're not like uh, you don't have problem with. I don't have the correct version of Linux. I don't have these system requirements. And right. uh, for example, I'm, I'm maintaining the uh, RStudio Connect version, uh, um, the RStudio Connect um, software uh, for Fincar. Mm -hmm. And 
basically it's really easy to deploy you just click a button but from the itu perspective it's kind of it can be hard because for example you don't have uh, so right now i have to update the linux version of a server uh, because it's not compatible anymore with some uh, library system for special packages so you can't install some apps on connect because you don't have a uh, required linux version but <laughs> you know uh, but if you have a container, if a container is compiled on your machine, you send it uh, to um, your um, Docker Hub or your um, Docker uh, repository on GitLab, for example. Uh, I think GitHub can do it also. But uh, internally, we have like uh, our GitLab uh, Docker repository. But if I compile it on the machine and I push it on the GitLab repo, it will work on the server. I just have to pull and uh, run it, and basically it works. I don't have to think about, do I have a correct Linux version? Do I have the system requirements on the server? And it makes it, it's hard. It, it's just like Golem. It's hard in the beginning, but once you get a good grasp on how it works, it will save you some uh, pain uh, you know, along the way. And so yeah, for deployment, it helps. And if you have, um, if you talk with an IT team and you want to deploy an app and you just give them a container, they just have to do Docker pool and put it in the cloud service. They don't have to think about uh, do, do I have a required, uh, you know, GDAL version? Uh, can I install SF on my machine? Oh no, I, I can't install Stringy because it doesn't work. You know, <laughs> things like yep, yep. we've all been through that. You're a Linux user, so you've been through oh, that. Oh, yes, many times, <laughs> yes. And Basically, if you give them a container, yeah, they can just pull it and run it. So it really helps yourself because um, because you 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 know which package you need, which requirements you need, and you have this version that works. And yeah, you install the correct packages, the correct system requirements, and it works. You're not tied to um, to yeah what linux version you have what stuff like that you can really build your own stuff uh, it's just like javascript and html and uh, and all, everything you have more freedom once you master the tools uh, because you're not tied to um, another environment or uh, right. some code that someone else has uh, written uh, because um if something seems easy it's very easy until it's not uh, you know uh, it's can kind of uh, I don't know if you, for example, shinyapps.io, you, you just click a button, it works, and then you have to connect to uh, secure, um, a secure database inside the data lake for your clients. But how do you set your proxy or do you do this stuff? It's not possible because you don't have, you don't have the freedom to, um, to change the environment, to change the way it works. Sure. But if you have a container, um, it would be easier, for example, to uh, integrate with uh, database or things like that. Uh, I tend to think that we should write Shiny application that if you have data, you should interact with the database um, because it makes more sense to have a SQL database. And if you have to do, um, if you have a large um, data set, it's, it makes more sense to put it in, into a SQL database and right. just let right. SQL do what it's good for. Yes, absolutely. Uh, if you have a large CSV and you just want to do some filter, just you know, you can put it into a SQL database and do filter. Uh, 
you know, select where uh, in SQL. And basically with Docker, uh, you can use uh, Docker Compose, which is like uh, a way to say this is like a network of uh, different technologies. So you have your Shiny container, you have your SQL container, you have, I don't know, your proxy or stuff. And you can just plug them all together and if people put them on the server, it will work. You don't have to think about installing uh, everything. So I think, yeah, yeah it's, it's a matter of, um, of free UI to, um, to build and uh, to, yeah, to not rely on uh, someone else at tech stack. Yeah, the, 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 the flexibility, the freedom piece of being able to choose, you know, the tech stack for your development side and as well as where your targets are for serving this up I think is really intriguing to me. And I actually put this in practice. And again, you were one of the main reasons I was able to pull this off a few weeks ago is for an online conference I was helping organize called R Pharma. We thought of have be, we want to do some fun stuff for the social breaks. And one of the things I thought about is, you know, let's just have like a trivia thing about like CRAN packages or whatever. So mm -hmm. I found this, this package called PKG stats that literally gives you a way to pull all the CRAN metadata from a mirror of CRAN. I literally mm -hmm. made my own mirror CRAN on the little server that's right next to me here. Um, that was fun in itself, but I built like a very stylish, shiny app that did use a custom CSS template to make it look like we were in school with looking at a chalkboard and having the multiple choice uh, questions on it. But I wanted to, I attempted to do this anyway, I'll get to why maybe it didn't work, but I attempted to track the answers users are putting in in a MongoDB database that was hosted mm -hmm. on a different platform. So the app was hosted on DigitalOcean's like one-click deployments thing that was based on the Docker container of the app. So in Golem, I of course used Golem to make it. I created the Docker file from your uh, Golem add Docker file function, I believe, and trimmed that a little bit to meet my needs of some environment stuff. But then once I got that, put that on Docker Hub, made DigitalOcean map that out as the app, and then also put the database, which also had its own container, into the database service. And there you go. I, I just stitched everything together because Docker made that, or containers in general made that possible. So I think there's a lot of cool things you can do to mimic maybe that enterprise-like deployments or interactions that, like I said at the top, it's almost never just shiny. You're interacting with something else. So I think getting to know this technology is, again, I'm going to say it's intimidating at first. But once you practice it a little bit, I mean, these are disposable things. If you break a container, just wipe it out, do yeah. it over again. It's not like you're going to lose a lot of resources along that ride. So certainly the, the tooling that Golem offered me just to get that up and running quickly and the examples that you had about like, interacting with databases from shiny that's on your uh, repo somewhere out mm -hmm. to find that and put in the show notes that got me up and running with mongodb just like that so that was awesome yeah um yeah the cool thing with docker container is that if you need a mongodb you just have to talk a pull mongodb exactly mongodb running which yes is, i i think it's this is this is really amazing like you you want a SQL database, you just dock a pool, you have it running on your computer, on your server, which is like, yeah, amazing. Yeah, and, and there's lots out there. I mean, there's almost all these tool chains out there and Docker's not even the only container technology. 
but in the end you get the flexibility and and kind of the the ways of customizing this to your liking so um certainly like i said we'll put links in the show notes to some of the examples you all drawn up with like interfacing shiny with other systems because i think that's a great way to learn is to kind of build upon what you're doing in these examples and even the contest submission you had a, a year ago, I believe, Hexmake is another great mm-hmm. example of interacting a stylish template with a database to do something that was honestly very practical. And I still use to this day to develop some hex sticker designs for internal packages. So nice. I love that app. <laughs> very cool. Um, well, Colin, as, as you see, we could talk forever about all these awesome <laughs> concepts. We'll probably wrap this up pretty soon, but I guess I'll, I'll leave with something we've kind of discussed peripherally in the past, but as, as you think about, you know, the vision of what the messages you're trying to send in terms of, you know, demystifying this idea that shiny is just a prototyping tool. This is just as valid for production settings as anything else in the software development life cycle as, as aspiring shiny devs go on this journey on top of what I'll just say, read engineering production shiny apps. What other kind of advice do you give those maybe ask you um, about getting set up for for this kind of mindset or this kind of set of techniques in general? Mm. I think something that I've I've been doing a lot is um, just learning other technologies just to know how things are done somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, because basically, for example, if you do um, if you do shiny, you know how to do shiny apps, you know how to do great shiny apps, but you inside a way of doing stuff, you're just doing things the shiny way. True. And um, I, I, I can't remember where I read that, but uh, it was a book about programming, and uh, the author said I spend around ten weeks every year learning a new, a new language just to know how things are done there, and Basically, if you are just learn, learning, I don't know, learn, learning JavaScript or learning Node.js, uh, just building a small app or a small REST API, you're going to um, get a little bit of um, philosophy and thing, um, and it will help you think about how things are done there and how you can apply it. You can bring it to uh, your main, um, uh, your, your main uh, development process. And basically, yeah, I, I think um, never stop exploring uh, other things and uh, maybe, yeah, learn. Uh, if you used to do uh, SQL, maybe learn to use MongoDB and think about how it works in MongoDB. And uh, yeah, if you used to uh, do R, maybe try um, something else. Try, uh, yeah, try learning Python, try learning Ruby, try learning something else just for you know, just for the fun of learning something else, you learn a lot uh, along the way. Or, for example, if you do a lot of ggplot and then try uh, D3.js, so it's right. another way to build and to think about visualization. Because if you, if you, so I tried a little bit of uh, D, uh, D3, and you have to really think about how to build your visualization. Absolutely. Because you are literally drawing squares on the browser. Right, so, right. When, when you when you try this you start thinking about you have a different approach on how to build uh, crafts because it's a different way of doing things and 
yeah, if you explore different roads, uh, it's going to be beneficial for your main uh, topic. Uh, I think yeah, a lot of lot of stuff uh, I'm bringing, you know, just brochure, for example, uh, it comes from building a web application with other languages and thinking about how uh, it's done elsewhere and how can I bring this back to um, to shiny, for example. So, yeah, the 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 key one, well, a lot of nuggets there, but I think the the key point is so it learning these other languages or these other ways of building similar things gives you a perspective that you might not necessarily get when you're just confined into that yeah. single track of building with Shiny exclusively or building a visualization with ggplot2 exclusively. Sometimes having that additional perspective not only helps you, like you said, learning something new, but you can bring those ideas to either further develop existing tech or to make something unique out of, out of that uh, development journey. So yeah, I feel like that's kind of, I, I've said in different places, but my next evolution in terms of where I'm trying to take my skill set is the integrations with other technology. I've done a lot with Shiny on its own, and, and I mean, many things I didn't think possible, I've done exclusively with Shiny, but I think now it's at the point where if I can bring in the additional customizations, the additional ideas that these JavaScript widgets are showing and be able to put a, another spin, another, another unique uh, development uh, pipeline in these areas, I'm going to benefit from it, but also I think the products I make will benefit from it too. So it's not just me being selfish, trying to learn all the things, as I say, it's really trying to make a better end product, whether it's some that day job or doing something silly for the shiny contest, like a hotshot <laughs> racing dashboard for my Linux friends out there. So <laughs> lots of, lots of cool ways to, to do all this. Um, yeah. In in a sense, it's a little bit like running, you know, if you are, yes. if you are running and you always run the same track or if you are always doing the same pace or stuff like that, you are going just to, to, you, you know, you're never going to get better at running if you don't like train differently or try different exercises, different paths or stuff like that. So it helps exploring because you are going to get better. Um, and yeah, and just for the fun of it, just for the fun of learning a new language or just trying to compile your first Go code, just, you know, just, just coding an edit word uh, in C or stuff like that. It helps, you know, realizing how things are done um, in other languages. Because for example, I tried a little bit of C, uh, I read a book about C mm -hmm. and just, it helped me understand better how C++ is integrated, how things work and how R is constructed the source code and because right. I tried a little bit, just I like, compiled a series of Hello uh, World or things like that, and it, it helps along the way uh, to to learn to yeah to explore other tracks. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, it goes without saying. I've been looking forward to having you back on for a long time, and I'm so glad we were able to catch up again. Um, yeah, for those, too. yeah, for those that want to keep up with what you're up to, uh, where would you point people to to follow your uh, latest uh, dev efforts in the R community and elsewhere? Yeah, I think Twitter is the best place to go. Because yep. I, I tweet a lot. You do, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I try to be a, a little more active on there these days. Um, but yeah, we get, we're both uh, we're both uh, trying to share awesome tricks and tips along that. And um, certainly, I'll just say, check out Colin's GitHub repo because you've got a lot of cool stuff on there. Probably stuff that flies under the radar um, compared to other things. So I'm definitely 
keeping watch of that and some of the cool stuff you're developing there as well. Yeah, because apparently some people are using packages I wrote like a couple of years ago and I don't remember everything <laughs> then. So <laughs> I know how that feels. Like there, I did some stuff at work that I forgot about and then they found it somewhere. I'm like, oh geez, I don't <laughs> I don't I don't even look at that. It's terrible or whatever. But <laughs> I've learned a lot since I developed initial things. Um well, well, certainly, Colin, thank you again for joining me today. Um, Thanks could, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, um, you're always welcome back anytime. And I'm sure, sure. I'll be yeah. uh, pestering you years. a little bit. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> yeah, hopefully sooner than over three years. Um, but I'm sure I'll be pestering you about the brochure uh, application sure. stuff I'm doing. But um, all, in, all in good open source fun, as they say. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, Thanks. well yeah. Thanks for joining me, Colin. And for those that, Want to catch Colin's previous appearance or the others in our back catalog, head to shinydevseries.com. We have all the episode posts on there with links to everything we, the resources that we've highlighted, which we'll have a post for this episode, of course. The YouTube channel is at youtube.com slash series. if you just want to go directly there. And um, yeah, if you want to follow my exploits on hacking away a brochure or other fun stuff, I'm on Twitch, twitch.tv slash podcast. If you want to see my adventures there but yeah we're gonna close up shop then so we will be back i'm sure very soon with more great content on the shiny developer series so until then see you later everybody bye